Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show, our continuing series on EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System and Marketing, how to figure it out. And today we're going to talk about staffing companies and how they should be marketing, how things are changing and how they can incorporate using EOS with Derek Pitak, who's an expert in it, who's worked with staffing companies, help them grow. We're going to get into this conversation. Before we get started, remember this is brought to you by storycruise.com. It's the ultimate resource for finding videographers all around the world that know business, that know marketing and used by many running EOS, including Gina Wickman. The most powerful videos for you to start with are your client stories, not testimonials. To learn why you should never ask for testimonials and instead get four to 10X marketing results using Vizio case stories, go to storycruise.com slash EOS to get started. All right, Derek, we had a long conversation about Disney World. We will, uh, maybe we'll make that a whole nother episode of how to bring kids to Disney World. But thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Ian. I'm really, uh, really excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, so we're going to talk about staffing companies, the mistakes they make in sales and marketing, how to change those, you know, and the big mistake that's really preventing them from succeeding in marketing. But before we get started, let me learn a little bit about you. How how did you get to working with staffing? How did you get into EOS? How'd you get here? Yeah, no, thanks so much. Uh, so, so my story is a little bit different. Um, not your typical serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur at all. I'm more of an operator. Uh, but, but you know, my life story is pretty, pretty simple, pretty quick. Uh, veteran, uh, served in the Air Force for four years, uh, worked for the Department of Defense for another six, seven years. By the age of 30, the ripe age of 30, I was pretty burnt out uh, with the government. And I had an opportunity to go into banking. And in banking, I worked in uh, corporate procurement and I was handed the HR category, which had staffing in it. So that's how I cut my teeth or fell into staffing as most folks in the industry talk about their their entry into staffing. And I had a $120 million budget to manage for the bank. Wow. And uh, they, they were said, could you fix this? It's, it's a broken process and we need some efficiencies here. So I implemented a new tool and process and management system around it. And uh, I got to know one of the local <laughs> staffing owners in Cleveland, Ohio. And I actually had to, to ask him to, uh, to step away and, and almost fire him from a part of the engagement. And six months later, he asked me to come work for him. So it was a really unique uh, situation. I didn't know 100% if this was the right thing. Um, and, and honestly, the staffing industry gets a bad rap sometimes with, with the, the type of industry, almost like used car salesmen. But the more I got to learn his story and, and what the industry stood for about putting food on the table for people, helping people realize their potential and learn new skills so that they can grow personally and professionally. Such an awesome story. So I took that leap of faith, uh, ran strategic projects for him. And a year later, he promoted me to be his chief operating officer. And we found this thing called EOS, right? And he said, as we scale and buy companies and grow organically, we really need a system, an operating model in which all these organizations follow the same processes and language, et cetera, et cetera. And over that time, a couple of years in, I fell in love with EOS and we had a right person, right seat conversation about where he wanted to take the business and where I wanted to go. And it just so happened to be that EOS was that place for me and being an implementer. So um, he invested in me to go start my entrepreneurial journey. 
And now I said, what a great way to give back then to work with the, the staffing industry. So that's primarily my customer. Awesome. Awesome. So when it comes to implementing EOS for a staffing company, what were some of the unique challenges that you had um, that were specific? Because staffing obviously operates in a little different way and you have a different product. There's a lot of other moving parts going on. How was it unique to, to implement EOS for staffing? That's a great question. Um, I, I think one of the biggest challenges to overcome within staffing is, is one of them, and you're very familiar with this, is knowing EOS intimately, is the accountability chart, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you structure the right accountability chart for a staffing company? Your product is a person, and it's a very sales-driven industry, right? So a lot of times you have uh, organizations that have recruiters that also sell, right? Or they bring people in that they start them off as a recruiter, ultimately to put them in a sales position. So it's a very unique combination of who truly owns your sales and marketing seat and who owns your operation seat and the operations and many times in staffing is recruiting. So really, and especially then when you have a branch model, right? So if you think of, uh, of X location, they've got seven branches in, you know, in the, in the tri-state area, right? Who's ultimately accountable for, for revenue and generating activity right throughout those different. So getting that right is always critical and it always has to be customized as we teach in EOS, right? There is a basic function, but at the end of the day, it has to work for them. And it's been tried a couple of different ways and ultimately the leadership team has to buy into it and, and you know push that down throughout the organization and get the buy-in. I think that's an important thing to think about. So, you know, building that accountability chart and having those people, how did you go about doing that? Because an accountability chart is one of those things that people kind of think about and like just have the roles, but obviously a staffing company, it's, it's different too. What were the keys to building a good accountability chart? I mean, I think it all starts with, um, as we teach a lot of times, right, is, is forgetting the past, right? And when you, when you get to, when you, we talk about using it as a tool, most people think, well, how can a piece of paper be used as a tool? right? And it is not an org chart where it's just name and title, right? We want name, function, slash role, and major roles and responsibilities. So when you think about that and think of the construct of what do we want this to look like in six to 12 months? So if we can be strategic enough to, to design something that is role-based and it lets everyone in the organization know what everyone does. So for example, if your title is chief enthusiasm officer, or chief culture officer, nobody knows what you do, right? And so we wanna take that down to the bare bones of it's, if it's HR, let's just call it human resources so that everybody in the organizations knows what you're responsible for. And the strategic component becomes when you have a growth plan of 10X this year, right? Or 10%, let's say, or 15 or 20% when the industry's growing at three, that's highly aggressive. So part of that becomes, well, what are the things that you need to do this year to hit that number? It might be double our sales force. It might be open in two new locations. So we have to design the accountability chart with the future in mind so that we can use it as a tool for how we get to where we wanna go and also issue solve when we have leadership management and accountability issues for who's not doing their job and things of that nature. Obviously, this is a marketing show. I love talking about EOS, but I want to bring it back to marketing. And, you know, mm -hmm. what marketing roles do you hire for first? I mean, are you hiring outside? Or are you bringing someone inside, especially at a staffing company? Because a lot of times, you know, marketing is kind of like, I, I've worked with staffing companies. You've probably seen some, it's like, we hire a couple of interns, right? And that's our marketing. Yeah. Interns going to post some stuff. 
and maybe, you know, maybe we'll talk to someone on Fiverr. How did you go about developing that role and what roles do you develop first? Yeah, th that's wonderful. So whether it's outsourced or whether it's internal, right? The point is, is getting it down and who does it? That's okay. Um, you see organizations really depending on the size uh, of when they bring on a marketing resource versus outsourcing. Uh, typically, I'll see 10 million and under firms that they might have someone internally that is more of an administrative role that takes on some light marketing functions, right? Some, some campaigns and social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then they'll outsource a component, right? And there's a, there's a handful of firms in the industry that are specific to the industry. And so typically in a lot of cases, you see them go to, to companies like a Haley or Parca or Echo Gravity or Clear Edge and a couple others that are out there. But but generally speaking, once you get a little bit larger, right? So I've seen companies in the teens hire a marketing resource, a generalist, if you will. And they do, they play in a bunch of different areas and maybe they, they outsource just a small amount. And then once you start getting to a certain size, right? Uh, 25 million or more, right? Then you're starting to build out some semblance of a team. And that, that team can still be a one person shop. And then once they, once they get to uh, double that size, they know they got to bring out another marketing individual. But even if you think about a hundred million dollar, $120, $30 million firm, they have an internal shop a lot of times and it might be three, four people. So in, in the, the type of company also depends on um, if you are a larger firm, right? Are you all one brand? So if you're a $500 million company and you're one, one national brand, you might, need a, you might only need a smaller shop, right? Because you process, you, you're very process driven on what that marketing machine looks like. But if you're an organization and you think of uh, a talent launch out of the Cleveland area, right, that has a national footprint or like in a Deco or a Kelly or some of the really big players where they have different brands, you need different marketing for those brands, right? So once you start customizing a little bit heavier, you may need a bigger marketing team. Gotcha. What was the first marketing role that you, you all hired for? Did you hire internally when you were growing the staffing company when that you were talking about? Yeah, when I was at uh, Talent Launch, we had a, when I was put into the COO role or the integrator role for using the US language, um, you know, one of my first functions was, was understanding what our current marketing team was doing and really making that paradigm shift from um, really content marketing and, and creating flyers and, you know, making the website look pretty, right? But it was high dollar, high value, ROI driven activity, starting to get in the digital game a little bit more and really start focusing on what's SEO look like? What are, how are we spending with our job boards? And right, because that's a massive advertising spend for the industry or recruitment spend as they call it, but marketing mm -hmm. owns that in a lot of cases. And so really getting a few key players on the team that had a higher level skill set. right? You think about what you need at a $50 million company for a skill set versus a $500 million company, right? Those are different skill sets for sure. So my first action within that was to bring in a really tried and true director of marketing. So I went out and found my guy, brought him in, and then we started focusing on more on what are the really, really critical things that drive and connect sales and marketing together. Because I think that's one of the critical pieces that people miss is they think marketing is just some fluffy, um, put some stuff out there and, and just to get to know who we are, make our website look really flashy. No, we care. We believe that marketing and sales is heavily connected. And if we're doing the right activities on the, the front end to nurture all those engagements and that activity, we're going to see it turn around. It just takes time and people have to be willing to stick with it. 
Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we talked about the beforehand, the importance of sticking with it. You mentioned SEO. What were some of the, the, the key things that you saw in staffing and you see now the key metrics that a staffing company should be looking at and, and looking to move when it comes to marketing? Yeah. So, so, you know, leads are huge, right? And where are we getting those leads? So are we getting those, what's that funnel look like? Are, are we getting that activity from people popping in our website? Because while a staffing is not e-commerce, right? That, that website does have some activity driven things that we want from it, right? We want uh, less probably on the client side that, that are coming to the website to like order a temp, right? We're not talking about that. It's not Amazon, but we have candidates coming into the website, right? Because they're applying to the jobs that are on the website. And those jobs may be an internal job board or they've outsourced that job board to somebody else to lay it over the website. So, so we care about what that funnel looks like in staffing. So how many folks are applying to our jobs? Where did they apply, right? So was it an Indeed source? Was it a monster? Was it a career builder, right? Was it LinkedIn? Trying to get all that data really, really tight of where the candidate funnel started, how much did we spend to get, what's our cost of acquisition, if you will, right? To get that, that candidate in the door and did they apply? Did they, did we, were we able to place them? So tracking that funnel, from if you think rec to check, but in a staffing world, right? It's the time they apply to the time they get placed and all that activity in between. So really being able to capture and understand that information is critical. And I'll tell you that a lot of times it's really hard for companies to, to be able to find that information out. So the tighter they can get their integrations with the, their applicant tracking systems or CRMs, all the tools that they're using is heavily important. My name is Gino Wickman. I decided that I want to start to put great video content out to the world. And so the goal was one great video every week. And, and so I was introduced to Ion and, and that's what brought me into this video world and got me embracing this video world and having a great strategy around putting videos out to the world. Cause there's so much more than just shooting a video. And so the way that he positions those videos, optimizes those videos, he's done a great job. Man, that's a big, big thing to think about, right? And how did you go about doing that? Whose rock was it? Was it your director's rock? Was it someone else's? Tell me about that. Yeah, so so what I will tell you is some of the things that, that when we learn best, we learn through failures, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, failing forward was something that we, we heavily believe in in doing, right? And I think you know, assigning a rock to the, the director of marketing, the person who owned the marketing function, right? So let's start building a scorecard. Let's get something out there so we can start tracking that data. And what we started finding, right? He hired a digital marketing. So the next person, you asked me that question earlier, going back to that a little bit, is get that, that marketing leader in seat, right? Understanding what skills and gaps you talk RPRS, right? As in, in the EOS language, right? People write seats, do they GWC their role, things like that. So we overhauled that entire division and then we, we, brought in a, we brought in a digital person to really start to help us understand our data, right? And the data integrity matters so much to make sure that you can get that funnel right. And so I think that that was one of the biggest things of, of okay, went through a massive project or rock or series of rocks to really get data cleaned up so that we could start seeing the funnel much, much further because marketing spend or advertising spend has gone up significantly in the industry with the with the likes of indeed and those other big players out there like a zip recruiter and so 
So staffing companies, right? If they're going to dump just thousands and thousands a month into that spend, you have to be able to track it well. So, so that was a really, that was an ongoing effort, right? I would say is a rock to get it set up and then to really be able to track that data as efficiently and not as manually as you want. It's not that easy of a task. So I will tell you in my time there, I wasn't the most successful at making sure that was a crisp and clear picture. Uh, but I will tell you that that's how you have to do it to be able to get the right picture of your data. And, and so that you can start understanding ROI and connected 100% to marketing. And, you know, as when you go in now into outside staffing companies, are they open to doing this? Are they open to looking at that data? I mean, because if they didn't have it before, it's kind of scary and daunting to get it. And then you have to do something with it and then you have to fix it and you have to understand it. And, and you have to try new things out and it becomes, ah, I don't want to do anything. Are they open to moving forward with this? I, I'd say you'd have to start small. Right. And so when you talk about companies that are a lot of companies in the industry now, especially the smaller organizations, they're asking a lot about marketing and they're asking a lot about digital. And I think there's a probably a, a misunderstanding with a lot of folks out there as to what digital actually truly is and, and really understanding it's not just updating your website. There's so much <laughs> more than it is to just keyword searches. Right. And tying that to SEO and all that good stuff. But but if you talk about like what are the things that matter? in an organization from a marketing and sales perspective, right? There's four things and I'm stealing this from, from uh, Butler Street and Mike Jack, it's how I love you so much if you ever listen to this, but talent acquisition and talent retention, client acquisition and client retention. If your marketing activities aren't touching one of those four things, we're wasting our time, okay? So that's probably one of the biggest things I preach to clients because everyone's hearing about automation, everyone's hearing about candidate and client engagement, Right. There's a couple of really cool tools out there that are doing this, right? Creating the, the, the enhanced recruiter experience, right? Almost the Yelp of, of recruiting through like a great recruiters, awesome technology, by the way. But all of that is to create that awareness, that brand awareness, right? And make sure that we're, we're attracting um, uh, and, and retaining our client and our talent. So there's a lot of that going on in the industry. And I preach to my clients that, hey, if you're ever happy to talk about that more, I'll connect you to the right people. So, so anyways, and my doorbell's ringing. So <laughs> life, life at home with COVID. Do you need to get that? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I know life at home. It could be worse. You could be, be stuck as a cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that, I mean, that's great, great advice, you know, and, and getting started. And like you said, failing forward and just doing something for a small company that's inside, that's looking at this and they're saying, I've never really focused on digital before. Um, and you said, let's focus on those metrics who inside would you make in charge, uh, if they don't have a marketing person per se, if they just have interns, who would you make in charge of it? Who would you make the have? own that project. Yeah. So, so when you talk about, again, I'll, I'll, I'll parlay this back to, to EOS to answer your question, right? It, mm -hmm. it goes back to who owns it on the accountability chart. So who owns sales and marketing? And that really becomes the biggest question in my mind. And, and a lot of times you might see in smaller organizations where the integrator or the visionary wants to own it. And then you got to ask the question, well, why isn't the, the, the marketing seat, the person who owns sales and marketing on it. And I'll tell you in a smaller organization too, a lot of times that person who is a visionary might also sit in the marketing sales and marketing seat. So, 
but you have to answer who's the best person, right? From a resource constraint, bandwidth, all that kind of good stuff. Who has, who's the best and brightest to own that particular engagement or rock? Um, and you answer your question from there. So if they've got someone who's, who's like a VP of sales or someone that is, that can truly own that, then that person would get it. Otherwise, right, you'll see someone who, like the integrator, they'll say like, sorry, this project is so important. We can't mess it up and we don't have the expertise beneath us. You got to take it. And I've seen that happen a lot of times too. So it really ultimately depends on, on who is the right person to own that. And I, I would typically see it at a, at a higher level. It is definitely like the senior, someone on the senior team that owns that type of a project. Now let's look at what are the big opportunities. Everything has shifted because of COVID, because of the pandemic. I'm sure, I mean, there's been massive disruption across the place and massive opportunities laid out too. Where, you know, you're talking a lot of staffing companies. Where do you see the big marketing and sales opportunities that maybe people aren't taking advantage of right now in the staffing industry? Yep. Everyone's talking about automation. I mean, it's such a huge, again, this is going to be a huge shift in the industry in the next five years. Um, and when you talk about technology in general, right, more uh, robotic process um, automation, right, more, more hub spots of the world, those types of technologies and staffing the two players are here, Fish and, um, and uh, uh, Sense, right, those are two big players. But, but that idea of, of automation, so again, enhancing the client and candidate experience is going to be crucial. So what are the things, right, that you can pay, you know, a technology, if you will, right, to do those functions, that $10 an hour type of work that's repetitive and consistent so that you can elevate and enhance the value of your recruiter and your salespeople and what they're doing. So all the things that they're doing, right, to get people in the door, all that sourcing, I think you're going to see a big shift eventually where a lot of that type of stuff gets automated. So that is heavy in the industry right now, tech in general, um, because it's going to be this big shift. When you think about like a shift gig or you think about Uber works and the things that they're doing, there's some cool technologies and staffing that are emerging that are going to do some really cool on-demand type of stuff when it, when it comes from a labor perspective. So now from a marketing engine, right, how do we take that and layer on so that we can create more efficiencies with some of the some of the uh, responsibilities that our that our recruiters are doing. So again, stop doing all spending a ton of time doing sourcing. Let the let the the chatbots, if you will, do that for you, and so that they can do higher higher value, higher dollar activities and get those people placed faster. That's great, great advice. So let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, obviously, you know, you're doing a lot. You're working with staffing companies. How do you personally now help staffing companies through EOS? Yeah, yeah. So, so right, typical thing as an EOS implementer, um, you know, help companies essentially get what they want out of their business. And that can mean so many things. You know, the tagline is, what do you do? I help, I help organizations get what they want out of their business. And, and, and you know, we talk about, we help companies, you know, 10x growth. Well, what does that mean? That can take a lot of different angles. That doesn't always have to be tied to revenue, but how do I help organizations Right, I work with them to to essentially understand, teach, coach, facilitate this EOS framework and methodology. Right, timeless concepts, simple tools, disciplines, et cetera, et cetera. Accountability, wrap that all up into this amazing framework that Gino and EOS Worldwide constructed over the years um, to really help them. Right, get a clear vision in the organization, be able to cascade that down. Right, instill discipline and accountability because a lot of these organizations 
become very loyal to their people. And then, right, we accept mediocre results because sometimes we don't know what, what awesome really looks like. And then, you know, creating that healthy, cohesive leadership team and, and distilling all that down. So, so we have a, a mission, right, from EOS that we want to help these organizations get to where they want to go, live a healthier life, live the EOS life, if you will, right? Do what you love with the people you love and all that kind of good stuff, right? That's our mission out there is to, to bring this to the world and help these top companies get their structure right, their vision, and then be able to execute on that 100%. And how long, you know, this is a, I think this is a big thing is, is how long and how much effort does it take to get EOS working well hmm. for a staffing company? I know that's a, uh, it's a loaded question, but, you know, I think that, I think, like you said, with marketing before, they don't give it enough time. Yeah. And then it people, you know, it's like three months later, marketing's not working. Oh, we're done. Marketing didn't work for us. I think same thing with EOS, right? It, it's, it's definitely not a 90 day thing. You're going to yeah. transform your business in 90 days. Right. No, that's a great question. I think, you know, one of the things I've become brutally honest when I'm talking to uh, folks out there who are interested, want to learn more about EOS is, is just how serious are you about this thing? Right. And, and if you don't believe and you don't, you don't practice those disciplines and then you don't push this down into your organization, it's not going to work as well. Right. And you're going to be at it for years and years. But if you're dedicated to understanding that this is going to be a little bit disruptive, there's going to be some change coming. It's great change. It's healthy change. There's going to be some pain, but in the long run, you're going to see how this plays out and helps your organization scale. Right. And that's what we teach for these five leadership abilities and how we help organizations overcome any obstacle, right. As they hit ceilings differently in their business and so, you know, the, what we're really trying to do is work with a client over two years, right? A two-year journey to get 80% strong or better in the EOS model, right? And be able to assess how well they're doing it so that they can take it and run with it from there, right? Would they need a health checkup every once in a while? That's their choice, right? Probably 50% of the time clients stay on for two years and we graduate them on and they're living EOS um, and doing a great thing. You know, the other 50% of the time, there's probably a 10% of the time area where, where folks drop off somewhere in that one, one or two years. And then there's probably somewhere between 20 and 30% of folks that stay on long-term with clients because they see this, this um, tremendous value in, in the facilitation side of it and the accountability side of being pure to EOS. And so the answer isn't such an easy, you know, cookie cutter answer. It really does depend, but I would say at a minimum, it's somewhere around two years, right? Because it just takes that discipline, that muscle memory to get this moving in the right direction. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I think that's important. Like you said, if you're committed, you got to think two years, but you know, either two years from now, you're going to be in the same place or worse, or two years from now, you're going to have gone through it all and have an incredible business that you love. Like you said, the EOS life, you're going to implement the right marketing campaigns, the right structure, learn how to learn from your marketing which I think has been a big theme. It's like, hey, marketing, which I always talk about, but there's no silver bullet. It's learning what works for you, your agent, your staffing company, whatever. That's great. So let's talk about working with you specifically. How do I get in touch with you? Uh, where's the best place to learn more about working with Derek? Yeah, no, thanks so much. So you can find me on the EOS Worldwide website and the implementer directory. My, my company, right, Blueprint Vision Group, um, you can find me on, on that website, LinkedIn, of course. Uh, one of those three areas that generally get in touch with me, or you can certainly send me an email at Derek at BlueprintVisionGroup.com. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Derek, this has been great. I appreciate you being on and telling us all about EOS and staffing and marketing.
Awesome. Thanks so much, Ian. I appreciate the time. And thank you all for listening to me and Derek and taking us on your journey. Make sure to take action. Make sure to check, check Derek out and uh, make sure to go check out our sponsor, storycruise.com to find videographers that know marketing, know business, and some that know EOS. Awesome. Thanks so much. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.